Uh, so we're in, we're talking about families. Families, um, I mean, you, uh, raise your hand if you have one. <laughs> Anyone? Any, yeah. You, you have a family, and man, families, uh, they sure are fun, right? Uh, and here's the thing, like, like no one gives you a manual on how to do it. Uh, when you, like, you know, I, I, we're all in different stages and areas of our life, and maybe you're single or married or with kids, without kids, or the kids are out of the house, or like wherever you are, you, you have a family, and, and no one told you, like, when you started the family or like you were born into this, no one, no one gave you like a rule book of like, here's, here's how we do things. You just have to try to figure it out. And you figure it out. Here's how you figure it out. Ready? You know this. By doing it wrong. <laughs> And realizing, oh shoot, I messed that up. And it's almost like you kind of bump your way through trying to figure it out. And some people never figure out how to have a healthy family. In fact, for them, healthy is synonymous with dysfunction. And it's just, this is just what it is. This is just my, and, and they'll, they'll almost just write it off like, this is just our family. And, it's, and it's, it's almost like there's no hope. There's no chance. We can't ever change anything. This is just how it is. And so, though no one gives you, no one draws a roadmap of how to, healthy, how to have a healthy family, my hope is that this series will help us at least, at least know, like, get at least some sort of path to walk on and say, I want to have a healthy family. Wherever, whatever your family looks like, you want more health in it, not less. And so, it, this will put me on a course that at least, like, get me in that general direction. It's not going to tell you everything you do, but it's going to at least say, like, okay, I at least know I at least know the direction we should be going as a family, whatever your family looks like. Um, on a side, a side note, there's a, there's a, um, a resource I just want to mention because it's, it's really good, really, really good, really helpful, especially if, uh, if you're parenting, like if you have kids, whether the kids are younger or like older, ideally they're still in your house, whether it's teens or littles or, or, or maybe you're just starting to have kids. Um, there's a series that Andy Stanley did um, called Parenting in the 21st Century. And, and um, if, you're, if you have kids or like are interested in like wanting to be a better parent, you write that down. Parenting in the 21st century, Andy Stanley. It honestly, like, I think it should be required watching. Like if you have a kid, like the hospital should be like, oh, and here's a DVD, go home and watch this. Like, like because it, it really is, it really is that good. And, and if you have grandkids and I mean, watch it too. Like it'll, it'll, it'll still be great. It really is good you'll you'll probably see me quote from him and, and mention some some of the like some of this the the wisdom nuggets that he gives in that um so let's talk about family let's talk about your family not really right how can we talk about everyone's family but you will it will feel like and and i'm gonna i'm in some ways i'm preaching to the choir here and that like as we talk about this it's gonna feel like well oh, man i'm just really i'm really inadequate like i'm our family is not at all like that or, or isn't, or man, that, that sounds nice in theory, but man, how does that work out? Like, what does that look like in a real family with real mistakes and real mess ups and like the, just the real craziness and dysfunction? And so you're gonna feel that tension of like, well, that sounds nice, but here's what my reality looks like. And, and I just want to mention that and let you know that, like, that's normal and you should feel that. And I'm going to feel that. As I'm talking about it, I'm going to be like this. Man, I didn't do the very point I sh said, like, all of you should be doing. So let's talk about family. 
and really like how, like what means what makes a strong family and and how do they know how do they know they're on the right track the first thing okay the first thing we got to talk about family and this like some of this some of this is controversial it which is so strange to say this but like even five years ago this wouldn't have been controversial but but today when we talk about family it's it's almost like hey you don't say anything about family because like family can mean anything now so here's the first point that is super super controversial you ready are you sitting down okay hold you okay get ready brace yourself ready the foundation of society is the family i i said it and you could tell you could tell me i'm wrong but but you would be sorely mistaken the foundation of society throughout history is the family in every society in the history of civilization at the center was family philosophers even debated this and talked about what is the like the most important central unit of civilization and it always came back to well it comes down to the family the family unit the family structure from like from the earliest civilizations all the way of course to today like every culture every civilization is organized around family that's how well that's how um uh, civilizations or nations grow through families values are are learned and taught through families so what is a family we all have a family some are healthier than others Um, none of them are perfect and biblically so let's look at this what is the reason for the family why did god set up society on the foundation of the family structure because you didn't need to there could have been plenty of other ways to structure humanity outside of the family unit but for some reason god creates family from the very beginning we see god's plan was centered around the family structure let's look at this genesis chapter 2 all the way back to literally all the way back to the beginning so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon man and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib which the lord god had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man said this is this this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man now that like you read that and you're like okay what does this have to do with family here's the very next the very next thing that we see written down genesis in chapter 2 it says this therefore because of this because of how this process happened a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh this is the beginning of the family and it starts with this this first family and their first marriage and this man leaves his father and mother and be, and cleaves to his his this woman and his wife and they become one flesh if you notice the even just the location of this this happens before the fall this is before sin enters the world this is the plan from the beginning it's not in response to something this is god setting it up and saying this is how it will be that a man and woman will leave their families and join together and become a new family now i want to be careful too here because i I don't it's it's very tempting in a series about family to feel inadequate especially if you're not married is this is this a requirement for everyone let's think about this 
is what he's saying is, hey, listen, everyone, you, and, until you do this, you're not a real person or part of a family or, or like, you can't be used by God somehow. You've got, here's, this is the process that everyone has to go to. In society, we probably get that feeling like, well, until you're married, like that's the goal, that's the pursuit, right? Every Disney movie there's a prince that like eventually you have to marry although they're probably changing now because you know the definition of family is different now but like if you go back and, wa- back and watch all the classics it's always about like getting married and then it ends with like happily ever after and every story ends like I, well, I still my uh, six-year-old she loves Disney and the princess stories and like every story that ends with and they lived happily ever after she's just like that was a good story and if it doesn't end with that she's like well well, did it did it end happy? Did they live happily ever after? It's almost like, like that's just the process that you go to, and, and we're just we're for whatever reason society we're trained to think that, and then you realize this that that God's plan was that a man and a woman would leave their parents, leave their families, and join together and become a new family, one flesh. And and then you see this that God Himself, when He became a man, didn't do that. He didn't follow His own directions. Jesus never took a wife, never got married, never had kids. Literally, the the person that we say this is the example was single his whole life. And so to say like, well, God can't use you and like, well, you know, when you're married and like the the pursuit of marriage is everything and it'll fix everything. Even God was like, well, hold on, hold on. Don't put this on a pedestal that it doesn't deserve to be on. Even Jesus didn't go that route. So this isn't, everyone you you have to do this or else this is a hey this is the structure for society and many will get married and many won't but this is the plan this is how society will be organized and and we even see this I, i'm i'm gonna guess maybe you haven't even realized this that that from the beginning god planned families jesus quotes a, reaffirming this same verse that a mo- that a man will leave his mother his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh and and he says what god has joined together let no one separate right and and but we here's what we see we also see that the laws god set up are for families this is going to be interesting i think i think for you in fact many of the 10 commandments were created and centered around the family like literally, what are the big 10? Give me the big 10, Lord. There's over 600 commandments and laws in the Old Testament. Okay, what are the big 10? Here they are, let me write them down. And, and what do you know? Like the majority of them are about family. Even in what God says, this is what's important for you and for, your, for all of society and how, how I want you to live. It's gonna be centered around family. It starts with take no other gods before me. Why? Because he wants to keep worship pure within the family. Listen, I don't want you to defile your family and your legacy and, and even the nation with the worship of other gods. This is that important. It's very personal, but it's also meant to be lived out in community. Like as a group, don't go worship other gods. Keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath, one of the commandments. Uh, it's probably of the commandments probably the one we least think about as like having to do but you should like there should be at least a day where you say hey I'm gonna not do I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break and just relax and and enjoy life and and not work but listen this is the actual language of the keep the commandment it says this you shall not do any work you and look at this or your son or your daughter 
he throws in the family. Like, listen, this Sabbath isn't just for you, but like your kids, your kids need to Sabbath with you. Whoa. It's about family and the family structure. The one that is probably easiest to pull out, honor your, your mother and father, right? Well, that, man, that one's clear. It's literally about the family structure and how like as kids and, and like how you should always be honoring your parents and there's no age restriction. It isn't until, like, there's no footnote in this. I don't know if you know this. It isn't like until you move out. <laughs> Honor your father and mother. But when you, when you turn 18, forget it. No, this is for life. You honor your mother and father. Uh, do not commit adultery. Why? Because it destroys the family. Destroys marriages. Even this, you shall not covet uh, then he throws off a, a bunch of things. He, your, your, he said, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, um, his, uh, his oxen, and like, like, uh, like all of the stuff, right? And then he throws in there, oh, and also his wife. Because that's not your family. You stay with your family. Here's what we see in Deuteronomy chapter six. This is, it's called the Shema. And, um, and if, you, uh, if you go to Israel, if you ever have the chance to go, which I hope you will, uh, we're, we're hoping to take a, pl- a, a plan a trip uh, as a church next year, next fall, so you can kind of tentatively think about like if you want to go or not. But when you go, if you go, when you go, you should go. I say when because like it's, it's required. Before you, before you die, you have to go or else, right? Or else you can't be a part of this church. Just kidding. You can totally stay here. But listen, it is that, it is that like that big, that awesome of a trip. Um, if, if, if you go to Israel, when you go to Israel, you'll notice on every doorpost is this little box. And inside this box is a very particular passage on a scroll rolled up, put inside. This is literally every door frame. When you go, you go to the hotel and you're like, okay, the hotels, guess what the hotels have? They have this box on every door frame everywhere what is this thing it's called the shema and it's shema because in hebrew the first few words of this passage are shema which is hear or listen O israel here's what it says this is what's literally written on every doorpost in every home in every hotel everywhere you go hear O israel shema the lord our god is one and you this is what he says and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That sounds familiar, right? Jesus quotes this as the greatest commandment. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children because this is about family. And shall talk about them when you sit in your house with your family. And when you walk by the way with your family. We don't walk anymore. You could add, you could supply drive. When you're in the car, And when you lie down, when you go to bed, and when you get up in the morning, and you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. And here it is. This is why it's on every door. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This, this is important. You remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And don't ever forget this. Put it everywhere and teach it to your kids. Because the family is important. 
and, and how you worship the God is taught and is learned. It's, it's both, you could say, it's, it's, the, it's both taught and caught in the family. That your kids will hear you teach it and they will see you live it. And that happens in the context of family. It seems as, as though God's focus has always been about strong families and about creating and making strong families. And, and, and here's the, like, that's the good news, right? Here's the bad news. I can't think of a single family in the Bible that is a great example. And that's, it's, it's strangely weird and, and, and oddly comforting to know that every family in here, every one of them, like you could go through family, test me out and go through, read your Bible this, this year and just try, right? Read it today, <laughs> all of it. And just read through this and just try, try and find a really good family. It's shocking how terrible and dysfunctional these families were. As important as it is to God, there are very few, if any, examples of really good families. Even Jesus' family was messed up. His brothers and sisters, they, thought he was, they literally thought he was crazy and tried to confront him and be like, you are nuts. You're, he's like, you're insane. And then Jesus says, who are my brother, my mother, and brother and sisters? Those who do the will of God. He's almost like, hey, listen, you're my family, yes, but I have a bigger family. And they're, they're offended and they're like, this is crazy. Like even, even Jesus' family was dysfunctional. You're in good company. <laughs> there are so many bad families that it's hard to say like, hey, here's the, here's the example. But it's also, it's, it's helpful and, and satisfying to know like, all right, if we're not perfect, neither were they. So there's room for grace and room for mistakes and room for, for us to say like, man, I didn't get that right. Man, they didn't get it right so here's what we see the foundation of society is a family right controversial statement all right here's the next one ready again we hear this and say yeah that makes sense the foundation of the society is the family the foundation of the family is marriage oh man how could you say that how how dare you say that family like to to be family means marriage this has been, it's no, it's no surprise and it's no secret. The, fa the, the family structure has been under attack for years, maybe a, maybe a few decades now. And, and it seems to be ramping up even more now. And, and it's just almost like, like words don't mean anything. You just, whatever you say they want that you want them to be, that's what they are. And, and so like to say, to make a definitive point and to say the foundation of a family is, on, is built on the marriage. Ooh, what gives you the right to say that? So let's look at this. Why do, what is the purpose of marriage? Why do people get married? Why did you get married? You know what would be a really fun exercise? Don't turn, if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, um, don't, don't turn to them and be like, hey, why did you get married? Go to the person, like the stranger next to you and be like, why did you get married? And like, I'll tell you later. He's right here. I don't want <laughs> Why did you get married? I'm gonna guess. Ready? I'm going to guess for most of us, maybe all of us, it was not for biblical reasons. I got married not for biblical reasons. Let me explain. There's really, traditionally, like historically, two, two reasons that people got married. In ancient times and in, in traditional cultures today, a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of Eastern cultures, you would get married to improve your status and position in life. 
that it was transactional, that I'll get married and maybe we join families and we strengthen the family bloodline or, or I get married because uh, I know it will provide a, so, a, a sense of security or, or the, the father would marry off their daughter and would choose who they're going to marry and make sure and they have a dowry and the whole thing and it's still practiced today by the way um, which, which as, as a father of a daughter like it's not a bad idea right? I get a pick that's like that's all I would love to that'd be awesome but like the, the goal wasn't, it wasn't like, well, how did that make you feel? Is it romance? No, no, no. It's purely, will this help our family or hurt our family? How do we strengthen our family? Throughout history, that's probably been the dominant and the primary reason for marriage. To, it, to help your family's status and security. However, in our Western culture, it's different. And we know this. You get married for love. And I'm gonna guess, I, at least I hope, this was a part of your, if you're married, that this was a part of your desire to get married was love. And like, again, our families are messy. All of us here don't have a perfect family situation. But, but like, I, I, I imagine, like, at least it's a pursuit of when you think about marriage, we think about love. The problem is that it becomes about um, our own individual fulfillment. So we'll say things like this, man, they just make me feel dot 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 I love being around them because uh, because they make me dot 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 and whatever the thing is it's really about us and in, and in western culture western society we get married for personal fulfillment and happiness and this is listen okay here we go this is why the divorce rate is so high because when the, when the fulfillment and the happiness starts to go down a little bit you say oh maybe it's the wrong person I'll find a new person, a new thing to make me fulfilled and happy. If marriage is all about happiness, then when the happiness goes away, what do you do with this leftover marriage? And, and I, 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 again, we'll talk here a little bit about, about like divorce and what happens with families when, when there's a, a, a serious fracture. But, but listen, the goal, if the goal is happiness, if the goal is fulfillment, if the goal is the like, I just love, I just always want the butterflies. Do you remember when you were first dating like the person and you're like, every time you're like, you'd, you'd see like, I, we didn't have, like you couldn't text. So I never got a text from my wife or then girlfriend, but like I'd get a call or like a missed call and it said her name. It was like, ooh, <laughs> she thought about me and I'm gonna call her back. Um, when I get a missed call from her now, I'm like, oh shoot, what happened? <laughs> Like, like, honestly, I get him like, oh man, what did I forget? What did I miss? What did I do wrong? What did I forget to do? Is there something like, which kid is stranded somewhere that I forgot to pick up? Like, that's what goes through my head now. Like, it changes. Here's the thing, ready? If it's all about just like pursuing the butterflies and the love and the infatuation and they're like, oh, it's so great. I promise you it will end. And if you've been married any amount of time, like longer than, I don't know, two months, you know you know this to be true that that eventually it gets to a point where hey it can't just be about like that feeling it's got to be something else and if it is just a continual pursuit of personal happiness or fulfillment you will never achieve it the purpose is not to better your position in life the purpose of marriage is not personal fulfillment so what is it here it is ready 
And, and this is, this is you, I've had to grow into this and learn this. I didn't go into marriage thinking about this or even having a good understanding of this. The purpose of marriage, ready for this? Okay, ready? This is, man, if you get this, it'll change everything. If you don't get this, it'll feel like a merry-go-round. The purpose of marriage is to display the gospel for others. What? There's no Disney movie about that. <laughs> and there won't ever be one. The purpose of marriage is to display the gospel for other people to see. We could say it like this. Timothy Keller, he, 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 uh, he calls it this. That marriage, the, the reason for marriage, the purpose of marriage is gospel reenactment. It's not like the actual like, okay, kids, like it's, it's Friday night drama time. Here we go. Let's, let's live out the gospel. No, no, no. But it, it literally is what does the gospel mean and how does it change people and where do I see that best and it's carried out in the context of marriage now this isn't us making stuff up this isn't me just saying this the bible tells us very clearly that marriage is a living parable of Christ and the church here's what Paul tells us he kind of elaborates on what what healthy marriage should look like what strong families should look like in Ephesians chapter 5 he says this husbands Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Wow, okay, Paul, that's a high bar. Can I just like, like make sure that like they're provided for? Can I just be like in there to like, kind of contribute <laughs> no here's your bar ready love love your wife as Christ loved the church and selflessly gave himself up for her Ooh. Do you, uh, side note this isn't even in my notes this is just, just free of charge do you know that wives are never called to die for their husbands you, you, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a part of your job description but husbands literally the, the first thing Paul says is hey ready you should be ready to die for your wife. Whoa. Whoa. Really? This is why, this is why I don't think my wife intentionally does this. If there's a strange noise in the house in the middle of the night, I'm, I, somehow I got elected to go check it out. It's, it's my job. And I, you know, I, I understand the job. Uh, I'm, there's been a few cases where I'm literally a little nervous for my job. Like, I have to go do this. Okay, I'm ready. But I also know, like, if anything is going to threaten this family, it's coming through me. Right? Unless we're at a hotel. I let my wife sleep. I put her closer to the door. It's a strategic <laughs> m moment. She doesn't even know I do that. Uh, He continues, he says, just, okay, he talks about Christ in the church. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they, they feed and care for their body. And then he makes another connection, just as Christ does the church. For we all members of his body. And then he quotes what we already read, what Jesus quoted, what we saw in, in Genesis. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. 
He goes through this process and says, this is what it should look like. It should, it should resemble Christ in the church and just how much he sacrificed for the church. So, far, so husbands, you should be willing to and, 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 and intentionally sacrifice for your wife. And, you know, as guys, we're like, okay, I'm maybe not the greatest in this area. I get it. None of us are. I certainly am not. There's always room to grow, but here's the goal. This is, like, this is the direction we should be on, at least. And then he says this. This is why we know that this is all about the gospel and it's not about like, uh, like true, finding true happiness. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking not about like the marriage relationship. I'm talking about Christ and the church. This is a profound mystery, how this all works. And here's what you should have in mind. You should have in mind Jesus and the church. When we talk about marriage, it should be about Jesus and the church. And there's some mystery on how this all works. But the point is that this should resemble the gospel. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. We see that, and we say, yeah. In fact, there's a whole series called Love and Respect that would be great if you, like, if you're in a small group or you, just, you, you and your spouse want to go through it. And it talks about love and respect, how, how, uh, how wives need love, and guys, like, we like it. Love's fine. And how guys, like, we we thrive on, we demand, we, we, it's oxygen for us when we get respect, right? Men, just it, home improvement. <gasps> Anyone? <laughs> where like there's a sense in which like, hey, I don't, I don't even like, like there, and, and to a fault where we'll say like, I don't need my kids to love me, but they will respect me. Because for us, that's the priority, like respect, right? And there's a sense in which like the, the greatest thing, the, the worst thing you could ever do to us is disrespect us. And, and like, like, so here's what he says. Husbands, love your wife because that's their oxygen. You, you give them like breath, like oxygen that they breathe, that they just, oh, I love, I love how he just, my husband just, he loves me and no other. And he thinks about, like he thinks about stuff and like, it's, it's just amazing. And the husband, man, I, when my wife tells me she respects me and that what I'm doing, it's like, I could, I could go another 10 years working hard doing whatever just, like, just knowing that I have her respect is like everything and Paul writes this out and he says that this mystery is, is gospel reenactment purpose of marriage and consequently the family is to honor and worship God by displaying the truth of the gospel marriage is meant to be evangelism your marriage is meant to put Jesus on display for other people to see that's a high bar and it's probably one that maybe a lot of us haven't even thought about. And it may be, like for some of us, that, that maybe our marriages didn't work out and even sitting through this is hard to listen to, and I, I totally understand. Um, it may be that it didn't work out because the focus certainly was not evangelism or putting Jesus on display. Maybe you've never thought about it this way. It's always been about finding happiness. Or maybe you've always thought, like, the goal, um, the goal of family is to raise kids to get them out of the house. Anyone? Anyone? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Like, like my job, I, like, I got to be a parent for 18 years. And this is the joke, right? Man, I can't wait till they graduate. I can't wait till they graduate and kick them out of the nest. Because we think that somehow parenting is over and the family is done we're like, when they're out of the house and it's like finally they can stop like just ruining my life and getting in the way of all my stuff <laughs> maybe you've always thought that the, that's the goal is to just like get like it's so funny it's so funny to me that like we think 
like we, we get, we want to get married and have kids and like, you know, I, I want a full house and like, I just love the sound and laughter and the chaos and like all. And then when you get it, you're like, man, I just want quiet. Like I, whoops, be careful what you wish for. And then we just think that like, just I'll raise them and get them out of the house and I'm, I'm done. So the question is, as we think about, as we begin a series about family, the question that we all have to ask ourselves, and this I hope, I hope this is now when we talk about, where, okay, where does the rubber meet the road? How do I do this? The question then is this. How can our family, your family, whatever your family looks like, how can our family live out the gospel? And the answer to this question will be different for all of us. There's no one set like, well, this is the verse that we have to do. What, what would it look like? Okay, ready? I've, I've uh, been challenged with this exercise and, and have seen like other people talk about this and I'm like, okay, I, this makes sense to me. I resonate with this. Just, just being like thinking about vision and future and you know, business. And what would it look like for your family to come up with a purpose statement? I'm gonna guess you probably don't have one. Hey, like maybe you, ha- you own a business or you work for a business. They have a purpose statement. It's usually like we exist. We exist too, whatever it is. New Hope. We have a a purpose statement. We have a mission statement, right? We exist to help lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And it becomes the the filter by which everything we do goes through that. Will this help lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus or not? If it does, all right, let's talk about it. If it doesn't, if it's just something out there that just, we just want to stay busy, maybe we don't focus on that. Listen, what would it look like if your family had a mission statement, a purpose statement? And it's different for all of us because our families are different. I'll give you some examples here in a second. We're all at different stages in life, but what would it look like if this purpose statement, if it served like a North Star that, that no matter where you are in life, whatever's going on, whatever, whatever rocky seas and stormy weather there is, you always know, well, we're at least going to that. Like we're, we can agree on that. Like all of us, whatever your family looks like, we're, 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 we're moving in this direction. We're all at different stages. Some of us, uh, you've raised your kids. And now maybe you're blessed and lucky enough to be at the grandkid level, like you're the grandparent, which by the way is probably, I, like from what I hear from people, is probably the sweetest season there is because you get to love the kids, the grandkids and have fun with them and take them out for ice cream and then you give them back, right? All the, like all the joy and none of the trouble. <laughs> it's like, man, if only parenting was like this, that I could give my kids back to the hospital. But they don't, they won't take, I try, they won't. Some of us are in that stage. So your family looks different. Some of us are in the thick of it. Like you're raising kids right now and it's just a blur. It's like, I don't know. I don't even know. And you're in the middle. And, 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 and for you, like, especially like, um, uh, this is the saying, the days, the days are long, but the years are short. You heard this? Listen, every day, every day is like, man, we're just getting through it. And then we realize like, wow, another year has passed. Like they're older, they're, they're taller, they're closer to leave. Like, whoa. And, and, and some of us, um, you, have it, you have it really bad. You have teenagers. Some of you have teenagers and it's like, okay, I thought I was a great parent and boy, have I been... Have I been humbled, right? <laughs> Some of us have littles, and, and like, you know this, man. You, you've maybe just started the, like, the command, be fruitful and multiply, and you're like, all right, we're having kids, and like, the Lord bless you and keep you. Like, it's just, it is, 
you, 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 you know what it is not to sleep. Some of us aren't married. Maybe you haven't had, haven't uh, like started the, the kid, or maybe you are married, but you haven't started the kid thing. Listen, here's my advice. Ready? Take your time. Take your time. There's no rush. Because once you're in it, you're in it for a long time. Some of us, now, this is hard. Some of us, you're married and you want kids, but you struggle with fertility. No one has to tell you how hard that struggle is. None of us need to, need to explain how, how difficult it is. Some of us are single, and for you, like, kids and family is like, I, I, like, I don't even think this series is for me because I am so far from wanting any of that, whatever that is. Like, I'm just, I'm just living life. Here's the deal. Regardless of where you are, you can determine your purpose statement, your North Star, where you say, this is what it means for us in this stage of life, for our family. So here's some examples. Another way to think of this is uh, to begin with the end in mind, to family with the end in mind, where you would say, what is the end goal? When you, like, when, whatever, whatever the end of family is for you, or like whatever the fast forward 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever that looks like for you, what do you want to say like about the family? Like, man, I just want this to be true of us. This one thing. If you were in the grandparent range, maybe it's this, to have influence with our grandkids so that they grow to know Christ. That like what we do now, the purpose for our family is to just have as much of an influence on our grandkids as possible, whatever that looks like. It might even mean moving to relocate by them. It may mean to being like, hey, we'll have the kids over and, and we'll give the uh, nights off and we'll do sleepovers and we'll like get exhausted. But like, man, we get to spend time with our grandkids. And the purpose is not about peace and quiet in the home. It really is how can we have an influence on our grandkids? Ooh, that, that purpose statement has some legs that can move you what if it's this if you're parenting uh my wife uh this is kind of, uh, she, she has, the, we have the same one that she kind of thinks about all the time that is reworded a little different. What if it's to parent toward a healthy adult relationship with our children? What if raising kids isn't about, we're gonna talk about this in this series. What if raising kids isn't about making sure they get the right college or the right grades or ready? Okay, ready? Or that they're nice, good Christian boys and girls. What if the goal isn't that they do the right stuff. I've seen so many. I was a youth pastor for over a decade. I saw so many nice, good little Christian boys and girls go out of the family, go off to college, and totally abandon faith. Because it was all about performance and just making sure that they did what mom and dad asked them to do and all the expectations. And then when they got a little bit of freedom, it was, hey, you know what? I kind of enjoy this over here instead of all of these rules. What if the goal is not about raising good kids who follow the rules? Now, that doesn't mean they run free. Like, we have rules in our home. But the goal of raising them isn't that they obey every single rule. What if the goal is that you desire to have a healthy relationship with your children when they're out of the house? Ooh. Now, now this is an area where there's probably maybe some sore subjects for a lot of us that like, okay, we, we, maybe that wasn't the greatest for us. Maybe that wasn't how we did things. All right. My wife says it like this, that her goal 
in, the, in, the, in our kids, when we, especially when we had just the boys, is that all of these boys, and now Kira, we added the girl, all of our kids will be friends when they move out. That they'll be friends. That they will enjoy each other. And they will love each other. And they will want to be with each other. Like when they move out to different, wherever they're going to go, wherever life takes them, that they will long for the day when like, oh, I can't wait to get back as a family. Ooh, that's a worthy goal. It's no longer about, well, did you do this or these rules or you better do this. It's about, I want, I want us to enjoy each other. So that when you move out, you still like us. and You want to be with us. That's a good North Star, am I right? <laughs> what if it's this, if you're married? What if it's this? To live out a competition of submission. This is what the Bible talks about. Mutual submission. That, that the only, I, I think uh, Pastor Andy said this once. That when there's a competition of submission, everyone wins. In fact, it's the only way you win. If it's a battle of dominance, there's always a winner and always a loser. If it's a battle of submission, of how can I serve you better? And they say, how can I serve you better? Man, both people win. What if your North Star is to just live out this competition of submission? I want to I love and submit and, and serve her as best I can. I want to love and serve and submit to him as best I can. If you're single, what if this is your North Star until you get to the family, if that's even what you want to do? What if, what if the goal is I want to be the kind of person that I want to marry? And it isn't I'm trying to find the right person and like, and like no one else is worthy. What if it's, I want to be the kind of person I'm looking for? I had a, I had a buddy who um, uh, is in ministry and is a great guy. His name is, uh, is Paul, and, and he lived, um, he was, uh, he's, uh, he lived, he's still alive. <laughs> uh, but he lived uh, 52 years single, never married, had uh, a few engagements or one engagement and a few serious relationships, but, and, and, uh, but he said like he messed up because the standard, his bar was way too high. He was trying to find the, the perfect person and no one, ever, no one ever fit it. And then he got to a point where he's like, man, I'm 52 and, and we're, every week we're talking and, 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 um, and he's like, that's my prayer request, I meet the right person. And then he got to the point where he realized, maybe I'm not the right person. Maybe it has nothing to do with everyone else. Maybe it's, maybe it's my issues that I gotta start looking at. And then he got married. He found this girl, got married, started having kids. I'm like, man, you started late, but look at you. Look at you go. And he lo- he's, like, he's like happier than he's ever been because he realized it has nothing to do with like everyone else fixing themselves. Like I wasn't the kind of person that I needed to be. Now, for those who would say they've made mistakes, they haven't batted a thousand. Yeah, Brandon, I know. But, but you don't know just how difficult family stuff is. Man, okay, let me... Let me share two things. First, I do know exactly how difficult it is. I'm a product of a, of, of a divorced family, of parents who split up and with uh, broken relationships. Uh, I have a brother, and the relationship is not ideal. It's not what I wished it would be. I know firsthand what it feels like to have a family that's not like, well, it's just not perfect. You just got your perfect little family. Oh, trust me. Trust me. It is not at all the case. Like our family, like, like okay, I, I won't get into it. But... It's not at all perfect. So I know exactly what difficult and hard families look like. I get to see it too. We're just ministering to people. I also know this. Though you may not feel this or understand this to be true, there's always hope for more health 
in your family. There's always hope. There's always hope. If two people want to make it work, it can work regardless of the issues. It doesn't work out every time, and it's not, of course, this, it's messy, and if one person is just like, I'm out, there's, there's times where you just say, like, there's only so much you can do. But, if, but listen, there is always hope. Maybe you have strained relationships with kids that are maybe adults and out of the house. Listen, there's always hope, and it starts with you. If you're waiting, this isn't my notes, but maybe, this is, maybe the Lord's saying this. If you're waiting for your kids or your, those broken relate, if you're waiting for them to change and get right, then maybe there's a problem with you. Now listen, I'm not saying that they aren't perfect and like, hey, they got their issues. They, maybe they do. But let's not pretend like we don't have our issues. <laughs> because if the goal of if your North Star is that I want to have a, a, a healthy, functional relationship with my kids when they move out, then sometimes that means swallowing your pride and saying, you know, you know what, I'll be the first to extend forgiveness. I want to restore and fix and heal this relationship because that's more important than being right. Now, I didn't put that in here at all. So maybe that was just for someone or a few of us that, like, that you need to hear. I, I, I'm, I'm going to end with this. I remember a story from... I was, I was uh, sitting through, it was a guy named Donald Miller who wrote a few books, became kind of Christian famous and then kind of went a business route. Um, and uh, in, maybe you've read his stuff, maybe you like it, maybe it's like, maybe you're not a fan. But I remember listening to him once and he spoke about, uh, about how to change people and how to, see, how to have families, how to see families change. And, um, and he said this, he, he gave a, st- a story about a family um, that was on the edge of divorce and the teenage kids were checked out and it was like, you know, hey, we're, we're about to end this whole thing. And he said, here's what they had to do. And here's what his challenge was to us. You have to change the story of your family. If the story is all about how we don't get along and, and we, just, we just always fight and always bigger, okay, here's what you gotta do as the parents. And, and maybe as if there, if there is a man and a woman in the home, maybe if the man's gotta take up leadership, okay, ready, here it is, ready? Here's your job. Your job is to change the story for your family. Here's what he meant. Here's what it looked like. They decided, this, the husband decided to have a family meeting and said, hey, we want to change the story of our family. And here's what this means. We want our family to no longer be about ourselves. So let's, let's think about what we can do as a family to help other people. You guys have any ideas? And they just started brainstorming. And all of a sudden the kids kind of woke up and were like, you know, we could do this. This could help people. This could help people. And here's what they settled on. They settled on sponsoring an orphanage in Africa, just as a family, not through their church, not through anything else. It was just a, all right. And all of a sudden, he said, he's, it was amazing to watch this family change their story. It was no longer about, well, I'm not getting my way or this or that. It became about how can we help people who are across the world who are far worse off than we were. And all of a sudden, they started doing fundraisers. And he said this, that the kids would come up with ideas of how they could raise money and they started working together. Like, could you imagine your kids like, liking each other and like like actually like participating in something with a goal together and 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 all of a sudden it became about how can we how can we as a family invest in this thing that's that's not about ourselves at all they took a family trip to numerous family trips to africa to go check in and meet them all and like it became the thing that glued them together because it was no longer about fulfillment and personal it was all about how can we help others how can we ready Put the gospel on display. Ooh, that'll change your family. 
That'll change everything. So, for us, the question that we end with, the challenge to you, challenge for me and my family, how can our family, how can your family live out the gospel? Would you do this? Would you stand with me? We're gonna worship the Lord here together. And, and even as we do so, I want you to think about like specifically your family. Whatever your family looks like, maybe you're a single parent and, and like life is a challenge. And I, I, listen, I understand that, I get that. What does it mean for you with, in your family, your context to, to live out the gospel intentionally, purposefully live out the gospel? Whatever your situation is, what does it mean? What would it look like? What would our North Star be? And here's your homework, ready? Whoever your family is, wherever they are, whoever you're living with, whatever your situation you find yourself in, have a conversation about it. Maybe for lunch, maybe dinner tonight, and just say, all right, right, if we were to come up with some kind of purpose statement for our family, what do you guys think? And just see what happens. Let's pray. So Lord, we worship you and we thank you that you, uh, you set up this structure with families, that families are that important. So help us, help us, live out the gospel in our families. Transform us and change our story to be about you. And in doing so, we see the gospel spread. We worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name.